We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. Uh, Alex Hurst, Ben Wade, Simon Campbell with me, and I've got Norman Rowley on the line, and we're here to discuss uh, Newcastle's 2-0 defeat at Liverpool, how the game went, where it leaves us in the relegation picture, and also a couple of other media things. First, a bit of a notice, we've very kindly been given uh, five free tickets to see Ryan Taylor uh, live at Nine Bar, courtesy of Newcastle Legends. Uh, you know, So five free tickets, what we're going to do is put... Um, a tweet up later today. All you've got to do is retweet that tweet from our podcast account at TF Weekly Pod, and we'll pick five winners at random uh, to select to take to take a ticket each. And that's Ryan Taylor. And even with Ryan Taylor over the wall, nine ball Friday the twenty seventh of April this year, where Ryan Taylor is going to be, you know, reliving his uh, his tales as a Newcastle United player. Um, so we're we're looking forward to that. We'll be there. We'll have an interview, um, for Ryan. Um, for patrons later on after the we'll finish recording this I'll put um selected highlights from our interview with Nick Ostabizas the full interview is available for patrons now but we'll I'll stick that on the end of the show because uh, Ben and Cowley had a really good chat with Nick Ost last week uh, some very interesting stuff he had to say so keep listening after I say goodbye at the end of the show we'll move on so I will we'll jump straight into this um I've kind of tailored our social media by my own and the podcasts to kind of not have to see or look at Dafty's after games kicking off yeah. about Rafa's tactical setup. Um, do you want to address any of those concerns? How do you think that? I think the accusation's been labelled a few times by people on Twitter that was set up for a two-nil defeat. True or false? And how do you judge the team selection? I think that's really unfair. I think, oh, well, at least amongst us, and you're right. I, I don't, I don't see the Dafties anymore myself because there's ways to get rid of them. But um, I thought it was a very positive team selection. I said it when we bought Kennedy. The reason we did it is to give us that kind of alternate formation option and we can go to, to wing-backs and three at the back if we need to against a team that scored 12 goals in three games or whatever it might be. Um, is it more? They scored like 18 goals in five, something like that. Anyway, that's a team you need to set up strongly defensively against. But then to to kind of balance that out, we had our four fastest players as we're kind of front line. So we had Kennedy at two... Murphy and Gale all as an outlet to play counter-attacking football. How else would anyone like to have played that football match? For me, I just think it was, it was the right setup and we're all quite, quite positive about it. It would set up strongly to defend because we know we can and we've, we've got players on the pitch who can cause trouble if we, if we manage to hang on and kind of keep keep them out, which was, was the, the, the main aim. 
I think the problem is is they've they've just got a much much better team than us. So we we didn't get any sort of option about how the game was going to go. I'm sure we didn't set up to lose two nil. We we set up to be competitive, but unfortunately Liverpool have got better players and and play in such a way they're given the license to to go out there and um sort of have the the creative sort of free freedom to to pick up the the pockets of space that obviously will cause damage. And I just. It's it's not as if we had any choice. We did we didn't go in there and set up to to just get beat two nil. Just Liverpool are a much better team. Dictated the the way the game went. So it's a bit stupid to say that we had we we chose to play that way. It, it's it's just the way the game went because they're a much much better team than yeah. We. Listen, like for me, Liverpool were always going to score. I can't remember the last time they didn't score, but they were always going to score. So our tactic to try and keep them out as long as possible so they would stay in the game as as we've done in most of the games this season because keep, people keep forgetting that. Most of this league are better than us on paper. They've got all got better players than us. So they were always going to score. So that to set up to try and keep them out as long as possible as we did against Man City. And also Liverpool have, have conceded a lot of goals this season. So we had the players on the pitch to try and do them some damage. Albeit they've added Van Dijk for how much? 70, 70 million? Five. 75 million? And they seem to have sorted themselves out since he signed. I think they've played like five games and conceded two or three. They've, they've sorted their defence out as well. So we actually came up against a much more difficult opposition than expected as well. And, and I think we still gave a good account of ourselves. It wasn't a very good game. It wasn't fun to watch. But, you know, we're still, we're still matched a team that, for, for most of the game, that still overpowered us because they did have that, that additional quality that's got them second in the league. Yeah, I agree with all that. And I, th- I think one of the, the difficulties for... Well, first of all, you're right, it was a difficult watch, just like the games against Man City were, was a difficult watch. And I think Rafa learned a lot from that game at Old Trafford when we were very open and we did have a real goal and we got done 4-1. And it could have been less, it could have been more on another day. But um, I think, I suppose, the, the part of the frustration probably comes down to the fact that Dubravka's not had to make a save. And this free score in Liverpool and Liverpool against West Ham could have had 10 quite easily. We just didn't really see that, that you know, on 40 minutes or whenever Liverpool scored. You know, I watched the match with Mickey and, and I just said, you know, about 10 minutes before, I just said, where's this, you know, unbelievably attacking side, which we did see, you know, when we played Man City, Man City created a lot of chances. We got B3, 1-1-0. One Man City probably should, should have scored more in those games. Whereas yesterday, it was it was two really poor goals to give away. I think I thought the first goal... One, it's a foul on Marino. We should have had a free kick. We should have been... And I know it's about 30 seconds to one minute afterwards, but but we would have still been taking that free kick 30 seconds to one minute afterwards. More disappointing than that, because that can happen, is that I don't know who who tries to play the ball at the line to Dwight Gale, but it's a shite ball. It might be... Lejeune. Is it Lejeune? Yeah. It's no, rubbish. Really it's floated. It's slow. No Gale needs the ball in behind, go to the corner flag, bring the keeper out, get a throw in. That's what you need there. So it wasn't just the execution, it seemed to me like the wrong ball to play. We pissed around with it too long as well. I think that we, we could have cleared it two or three opportunities before we did. And and, and the fact that he had so much time with, with that clearance was really frustrating that he, he did so badly with it. As you say, it was just under hit. It was straight to their left back, I think, Robertson. And just... It, it, like we could have done any number of better things with the ball there. That was just a bit lazy, and and he he put us into a, in a lot of a lot of trouble with that. Um, so yeah, it was just a frustrating one. It we, we really shouldn't have put ourselves in that position. Yeah, I mean we've said it a lot of times this season, but the game plan was working up until the point where we've made a a crucial mistake there. And you know what? In 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 some of the games where we could have won points, that it's frustrating. But against Liverpool, if that happens, you kind of just have to take it on the chin and go. You know, we had a plan to try and frustrate them, to try and get something out of a game that was always going to be difficult, and we've made a mistake and it's cost us. But 
you know, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. We've just got to let this one go. It's not, it's not a big deal to me. I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love to know sort of what these, these people that had a real issue with the way we set up, like expected, like with, with let, let's be honest, you, you're the same with, you were happy with the team. Christian Atu for me is starting to, it, it's sort of what he did a little bit um, in the championship season. He, he seemed to fade out in, in terms of the season and he started off really positively for us. Um, but I just don't see enough of him and it's, it's one of those things we were talking about the, the pace that we, we have in the team too many times he, he was running at the players and not really I don't know if it's just that he's holding back or he's not he's not backing himself to beat players but he, he doesn't really get get at the defenders anymore and I think we we lacked a little bit more and it sort of further up the field where maybe Kennedy yes we, we sort of sacrificed him to be more solid defensively but he he probably would have been better off um being pushed pushed forward and being that that attacking outlet because I think he would at least would have had a bit more confidence to have a go at them whereas I just think that's it's probably a confidence thing he just doesn't back himself to to beat players at this level yeah I mean I've been I've been frustrated with that too for a while he's he's really struggling at the minute but I think that was the big the big letdown yesterday was our outlets as I mentioned before in the, in the the formation and the lineup was fine but we needed kind of were Kennedy were Atsu were Murphy were Gale. To, to do a lot of grafting to kind of win with some win with some free kicks in the other half, get the ball forward and and play quite direct. But I think Kennedy in the first half especially he improved in the second half, but first half and also for their second goal, just giving the ball away for Nout, um, Atsu equally like he couldn't beat a man. He just kept getting tackled and losing the ball. Murphy not so bad. I think I think he had a good couple of runs and and Gale could, could, couldn't really get going and we needed something from at least one of them and we didn't really get get anything special out of all of them. I mean Gale had that kind of really weird chance in about 30 minutes where anything could have happened you know he sliced it out but it could have gone in um, but other than that we didn't really give ourselves a chance to kind of have any breathing space so while while yes we, we restricted their chances it was kind of Liverpool on the ball all the time in our half all the time because none of the players who were kind of tasked with getting us out of our own half could pull it off on the day Yeah no, I want to talk about Miguel Marino in a second but I thought John Joe Shelby was such a big miss yeah. such a huge miss and he's had his bad Days this season, possibly no assists, no goals, but um, we, we missed the out ball so much. Dwight Gale missed him badly. The lads, Murphy, Atsu, who was supposed to provide that pace, just didn't get the, the service. And when it, on the rare occasions they did, it happened so infrequently that when they did bollocks up, it became a big deal. Um, Norman, I just want to just want to bring you in. Liverpool have lost... They haven't lost a home game this season. I think they've lost two home games in two years in the league. Um Richie Smith asks, after taking ridiculously OTT bashings of how Rafa set up against Man City in order to conserve goal difference, how crucial do you think goal difference will be come the end of the season? Do you think do you think this was what we asked, what we put to each other on the preview part of for patrons, um, which was is this a, a, a goal difference conservation exercise? I think um I think when the the second went in yesterday and he brought Hayden on, it was quite obvious that that's that's what it um, that's what it became. Um, at the start of the match, I mean, I don't think there would have been an eye on on goal difference or limiting you know, the 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 size of the the margin of the defeat. Um, I don't think Rafa sets up teams to 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 go and just be narrowly defeated. Um, you could you could see the game plan and the the reality is, um, and I think I mentioned it on the the match day podcast yesterday is that you know they they like. They're so much better than us, and they're they're so much better than like a lot of other teams in the Premier League. And they're such a powerful attacking force that you mentioned the Man U game a second again. Um, if we'd 
if we'd gone out all guns blazing, it would have been a, a much bigger margin of defeat than against Man United because they're a more potent attacking force than Man U were. Uh, Man U are, sorry. Um, and I think the, the game plan of limit them until half-time, until the 67th minute, because they do tire and they do get frustrated. And that, that was what the game plan was. And then and then possibly either hit them after that or, or to you know to sneak a draw. And, and, I, and I think that's... I think that's a really sensible approach um, to, to make because obviously getting a battering, not only does a goal difference, which again, we've said could be crucial, it also affects your confidence massively. Um, and I don't think anyone, any Newcastle player would have left that pitch yesterday feeling like confidence had gone. You know, it would have been like, well, yeah, we went out there with a game plan. It didn't come off. But it, it, fine margins. I, I, mean, I mean, I've got a text from um, about sort of, looks like about 30 minutes in. And then um, his text is, his text is, I, um, I can see you're struggling to score. And that was like, that was during the game. Um, and and he, we did, we he's a Liverpool really fan. limited them. Um, and there was a game plan then. The game plan wasn't, let's try and limit this to defeat to, you know, one or two goals. It was, let's try and go there and do what we can to get something. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't come off. But, you know, fine margins. We held them until the 40th minute. They didn't create many clear-cut chances. The goal probably could have been avoided, as you lads have already discussed. Um, we went to goal down. And then Carrius pulled off a fucking brilliant save from Diarmia. Um It's just just one of one of those games. The Liverpool are an absolutely brilliant attacking force, and um, unfortunately yesterday we we couldn't kind of provide any answers to that. Um, and I'm not again. It's a, it's another defeat that you walk away from thinking, well, you know what? I'm not I'm not massively disappointed because it's it's just the reality of the situation that we find ourselves in. Okay, Ben. I th- I think um, just a couple of points you mentioned there. I mean. You, you saw what Liverpool talked about their their potent attack. You saw what they did to Man City, who who play a very open game. And if if we'd have of going the goal down, if we'd have started chasing, that would have played perfectly into their hands with their attack attack in front three that are, are all pacey and against Lejeune and Lascelles. That it, it would have that there's no way we would have got back into that game. I just don't see how us chasing chasing that. That it's not something we're comfortable doing, and it, and it would have played into their hands. So I I think what well, as you said. We probably did the right thing in terms of when he brought Hayden on. It, it was just a case of let's not get embarrassed here. Let let's sort of get out of this and and, and go from there. Um, I mean, I, I think as well as as you were saying before that the approach we took. I mean, it nearly worked against Man City when when Murphy went through and scored. We in the um, second game when we got beat. Uh, I think it was at three one. It finished. Um, the, the 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 there was a ten ten minute spell where where we, we we created a couple of other opportunities and and that that's a game that that could have completely changed um had had we've managed to get back level and you you could see that um if 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 all it would have taken yesterday was was one opportunity and then it would have completely changed the shift of the game but I, I think we we just have to sort of just try and hang in there and and just take it for what it was I mean yes it's it's not brilliant to watch and and it's frustrating but. We're playing against hundreds of millions of pounds of uh, squads assembled that are full of absolute quality that just we don't have, and it's just one of those things. We've we've just got a sort of damage damage limitation. Yeah, I've totally forgotten about that Diame chance just before half time. Yeah. Outrageous save from um, uh, Carius. Uh, you're right. I I don't. I think the game plan didn't change at one nil because it shouldn't. We're still in the game, and we're kind of we nearly we nearly nicked something and could have got back level at two nil. The game plan does change to right. We're not going to score three goals at Anfield. We're not going to score two go- two goals at Anfield in half an hour. We need to just kind of 
not get let this get embarrassing. So yes, to answer Richie Smith's question, once again, after Man City as well, goal difference is going to be important. We've still got the best goal difference out of everyone. Liverpool-Brighton, 5-1. Liverpool-Bournemouth, 4-0. Swansea, 5-0. Stoke, 3-0. Huddersfield, 3-0 twice. West Ham, 4-1. Like, they've batted everyone yeah. in the bottom, you know. Like 4-0 at West Ham as well. Yeah, yeah. So they've got like plus seven on, against most of these teams and, and here we are with minus two and a point. So I just, I don't see why there's such a meltdown when we get, you know, the top three are the top three at the minute. Chelsea, maybe it's maybe four. Um, Spurs, harsh and Spurs. <laughs> but, but we haven't been blown away by Spurs really. It's just like, what what do people think is going to happen? when like, what, what could Rafa have done differently to to get into the other when what's a, it's a it's a defeat so no one's happy but it's 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 not embarrassing it's not you know a bad result by our standards at the minute yeah i'll just address richie's question because no one else has um in terms of goal difference being important i think it'll be really important and i think even if it doesn't even if it doesn't come down to i would getting smashed by liverpool isn't particularly relevant to goal difference like um yeah it is now for us but um if if you remember the last relegation campaign our results were always tempered by the fact that Sunderland had a far superior goal difference to us. Or, or maybe it wasn't far superior, but it was better. So it was, I think a lot of people foresaw an issue where we would beat Villa and would have a chance against Spurs um, because it was Rafa. And and whatever happened, people were worried about we're both ending up on 38 points. And... Going down and, and going down on goal difference now maybe you couldn't say it affects performances but I think it certainly does um, impact the way a team sets up occasionally particularly when you get back down to the last two or three games when a draw might not be good enough or that comes into teams thinking so I definitely think goal difference is something worth persevering with it's often overplayed however our goal difference is only really miles better I think than Stoke um, and a couple of others but some of the teams around us have a, a similar or if not better goal difference so there's only one or two goals in it which could, could change quite quickly um, so yeah, I'm, sorry Norman sorry, can I, can I, I'll just jump in there mate um, you, you mentioned the last relegation season well I'll throw you the 2008-09 season if you remember if we'd have drawn against Villa we would have stayed up on the same yeah. amount of points as whole because we had a better goal difference in them we finished with minus 19 they finished with minus 25 we finished on 34 points they finished on 35 if we'd have drawn against Villa we would have stayed up so that's that's your goal difference importance right there. Even even it mightn't be a significant factor every single season, but it, it can be a very very important uh, important factor at points. And I I think especially this season, given how unbelievably tight it is at the bottom, given how how few points are between sort of um, second bottom and twelfth or whatever it is, then yeah, goal difference could be huge. Okay, um, I think you're spot on. Normal, I've got a question here for you from Tino's fur coat. Does Art like the good have the strongest Geordie accent? Since Jeff from Breaker Grove, hashtag he does. I don't know who anyone from Breaker Grove is at the moment, so can you address that one? Jeff. Jeff from Breaker, I don't know. He's like the caretaker. Died in a fireworks accident, I believe, or something like that. No, do, do I have the strongest Geordie accent since then? Aye. I think so. Oh, well, I mean, I don't think that I'm all that strong, you know? I mean, like, I've lived doing that for years. <laughs> right, it's moving, moving swiftly on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> at uh, at, at dog 47 says feel free to give me a real- reality check but has Dummett turned into one of the top five left backs in the league under Rafa I would say yes defensively when I wrote my Paul Dummett article on the True Faith website some people said I was being hyperbolic when I said I was struggling to think of a more defensively sound fullback in the league than him um, doesn't mean that the position of left back is purely a defensive 
But if you look at the top teams, all of their fullbacks are incredibly attacking. If you look at maybe you look at the the top three, for example, um, you know I, I think uh, Robertson's a, probably a really good fullback defensively. He has some issues. Um, Ashley Young and Fabian Delph are certainly not <laughs> defensive or any good at defending. To be honest with you, I mean Ant- Antonio Valencia is, is is a good defender, I think, as well as his attack and prowess. But there probably are ones we're not thinking of. Someone put Ryan Bertrand. Well. Speak to fucking Southampton fans about oh, Ryan God. Bertrand this season. Oh, I speak I to kid. Ben doesn't like Ryan Bertrand. But I think, I think Dummett is... And, and he was excellent last night. I know there was a bit of a debate about his contribution to the first goal um, and all that kind of stuff. Um, Stephen Russ, at Steve Russ, 22, says, Why is there so much dog shit on the pavement around Anfield? Don't know, mate. I'm going to go for Everton fans. What are dogs there? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's this kind of secret warfare we don't know about, but... <laughs> yeah, bad crack that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, I want to talk a little bit about um, Mikel Marino now, lads. Um, he he's gone off the boil since since his absolutely brilliant start of the season. Ever since he picked up that back injury, which I think he was out for nearly two months for, and there's a lot of um, speculation about him. So you see stuff on social media and. Does he want to move back? Well, I can't see him playing shite because he wants to move. If anything, that would surely hinder a move. Um, is he homesick? He had this problem at Dortmund and he didn't get a game and all that kind of stuff. Well, again, I'm I'm not quite sure why his performances at like footballers are people, but I'm not quite sure why his, what, what the stuff I'm going to go into now. I'm not sure how being homesick could affect it. I mean, we've got a lot of Spanish influence in the in the yeah. squad now as well, and Spanish-speaking and obviously Rafa and all the coaching staff. Like there's, there's, it, it doesn't seem to be that that would be the the issue, really, would it? There's literally two tapas places in town you can go to eat. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, what, what, what more does he want? But my issue with Marino, and he has really dropped off in people... I've said this all throughout the season, is he doesn't look match fit and he really fades, even when he's playing really well. He's always faded badly in the second half. Now, I think he's only completed 90 minutes two or three times. Um... And one of them was was yesterday again, and I I just don't know whether it's injury, whether it's because back injuries are so complicated and potentially ruinous to a career, whether they're kind of wrapping him up in cotton wool. Um, one of the big differences I notice in his game is that he doesn't seem to have adapted to the pace of the Premier League as quickly as we thought, and he wants too many touches on the ball. He wants he, he he's he's not like Shelby's probably the antithesis of him in some ways, and that Shelby's able to knock the ball off or drop it off quite simply. Diame tries to do that, but isn't as good as it. Isn't as good at Shelby, but you know that kind of one-touch football, receiving the ball. Marino wants several touches, and he's also so inclined to move the ball backwards. And when he, what we enjoyed about the start of the season was those precise through balls, brilliant balls in kind of close spaces to find the colleague. He gets the ball now. He he takes a touch. He looks up. He moves the ball two or three touches forward, and then if he's got a player following him, he'll check back. Now, there are situations when that's going to be required of course there are but it just seems to me as if he's if he's if it's a pure confidence issue and as a young lad of 22 years old who's not played much top tier football is it really that surprising playing in what is a struggling team obviously we've been playing better recently but i don't know norman you, you're a big fan of his anything to say on marino um, I uh, I think I, I spoke a little bit about it um, with Charlotte yesterday on the on the podcast the match day podcast. Um, you're right. You're absolutely right. He's gone massively off the boil. Um, but I would think there are like a number of factors to take in. The um, I think the injuries probably impacted him a lot more than than um, maybe anyone realizes. Um, and also he was in a kind of good good flow of form when the injury happened. 
and he, he's come back from it. And you're right, he hasn't he hasn't looked fit. Um, and I think also there might be a kind of bit of you know again this is pure cod psychology and proper speculation, but um, <laughs> there's always the chance that subconsciously he's a bit more fearful of risking himself because of how how bad the back injury was. Um, and again, you can throw in the fact that he's he's only a young kid. He's in a completely different culture um, and he's had you know he had virtually no football last season and really he only had prior to Dortmund kind of one and a third seasons of regular football at Osasuna um, so he's still developing and I said yesterday that I think there's two ways his he, career at Newcastle's probably gone ahead is if he um, if Rafa stays um, you know like next season then I can see Marino staying and, and, and kicking on because he'll, he'll, he'll be kind of nurtured and developed by Rafa and his staff um, but and God forbid if Rafa guns, then I, I doubt Marino will have a, a future at the club. Unfortunately, I think they'll probably end up returning to Spain. Um, but I, I'm still hopeful for him because you know you don't you don't just lose that ability. There is there's clear ability there, and he's shown it in Newcastle and briefly, and he showed it in the um, the Spanish uh, under 21s team earlier on in the season on a couple of occasions. So um, I he's just um, I think he's just lacking a bit of self belief, and he's um, a little bit fearful of. Over committing because the injuries had a big impact on him psychologically. That's my, that's my opinion. Probably worth shit, but it's just how I feel. And it's a big issue for us because Shelby is not going to be fit for next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that we'll we'll do obviously we have the Southampton preview for patrons coming up this week, but we'll talk a little bit about it at the end of the show, the Southampton game, and and I'm, I'm worried. But we'll go into that a little bit later. Ben. I mean, I think just the the way he's, he's, he he clearly has ability, and I think it's just the. The fact that he has taken a while to um, to sort of adapt to, to English football. I mean, the the back heel, for example, for the Diarmi chance was un- unbelievable. There's not, there's, I don't think there's another player in the squad that could have pulled like done that and seen that and and, and created that chance. So that there is a quality player there that and we've seen it at times this this season. But I, I think we it's just the, the Premier League has come so different or anything. As you say, it's a young lad that's not played much and. I think when he first came in, there was probably that sort of the new club, and and he his sort of um, performances were at a very high level. But he's he's been in and out of the team, and that that'll impact that. And I think as well, it, it he's still what say, six or seven months in, into his his spell. I mean, it it takes some quality players a long time to adapt to English football. I mean, I think it's we've just got to be patient with the lad, and at, at, as well, it's going to impact him who he's playing with. I mean, I think. Um, he, at the start of the season, he wasn't playing with Diame when when he was in the team, and maybe it's it's the sort of just adapting to to who you're playing with in the midfield, um, the options I think as well. He's a player that requires the the, the players ahead of him to be making intelligent runs and and sort of get getting on the end of of, of sort of his his, his balls and and he's he's obviously he's got good vision. He he sees things that that others perhaps have, perhaps don't, and I think it's it's sort of. You, you you're gonna get the best out of him when when he's playing with inform attackers that are, are gonna be making the runs that he requires and stuff. So there's there's a few things I think that's impacting it, but I I wouldn't be concerned about sort of I I think there's a very good player in there and it's just finding his his, his sort of position in, in the team. Yeah, and I think you make a great point there with the back heel and we've said this since the start of the season. He's so much better in the opposition's part of the pitch. He's not a defensive midfielder now against the likes of Liverpool. It's always gonna be hard for him to do that. What concerns me for Southampton is that Diarmé is best is kind of given a free role to maraud, carry, hassle, scare the shit out of other players, win the ball, break up play and start attacks. That You could argue that is the, the definition of a defensive midfielder, 
But he also, he saw Diame against Man United. He was pushing Paul Pogba further and further and further back to the extent that we had to sub him. Now, when Diame plays with Marino, I kind of get the feeling Diame, like last night, and again, it might just be the opposition, plays as a purely defensive midfielder. And he's not very good at it. He can't really tackle. He can't tackle in terms of turnover possession. But when play, I mean, I thought Diame should have fouled Oxley Chamberlain yeah. way before he got to the box. Now, it would have been a, a dark yellow. So he's probably, you know, it's heat at the moment you're thinking, if I, because Diome is so far off him, if I lunge into him and leave the ground from the back here, am I risking a red card? Because Mickey, watching the game with Mickey, he was very critical of Diome, and he's got to bring him down there. And I'm just trying to think of why Diome didn't. But in hindsight, you're thinking, it's, it was probably the way the game panned out, a, with, a risk worth taking for him to pull him down. I don't think that's Diome's natural position. Now, when Diome plays with Shelby, it's not Shelby's natural position either, but there just seems to be a little bit more understanding between the They're two. Used to that one, when one goes forward, the other one drops. And at Bournemouth the other week, we saw Diome again play much, much deeper. That's because Shelby was controlling the game. But we'll see. And, uh, you know, we might be sat here next Saturday, Sunday after Southampton waxing lyrical about... Mickey Marino again. I mean, I think that 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 the, the, just to reiterate the point I was making before as well. It's getting used to the players. So Diome and Shelby have played a lot of football together this season. They pretty much know before they even do it what the other's gonna gonna do, and they, they they've got that um really good chemistry between them. That as you say, Diome knows Shelby likes to sit deep in and sort of play sort of play the the balls from deep and dictate from sort of a, a deeper position that allows him to be able to push on and he doesn't have that understanding of Marino yet so he probably doesn't know whether he, he should be pushing forward because Marino as you say does like to, to press and get get a bit further forward as well so I think it's just one of those things that they're, they're working out who how, how they'll play together and I think we'll we'll see the more they play together because obviously if, if Shelby's out for a bit longer they're, they're going to have to um, I think there's no chance Hayden comes in Ahead of either of those two, um, to start. So I think they'll they'll, they'll get better as as they play more together. Yeah, um, Norman, just we'll we'll, we'll move things on because you've got to get away soon. Stephen Gerrard on BT Sports um, said after the game that Newcastle have a team that should be bottom of the league and uh, are full of championship players. And if it wasn't for Rafa, that's exactly where it would be. Uh, do you agree with that analysis? I don't think I don't think it's unreasonable, um, and, and you can see the kind of broader point that he's making. Um, I think it's a little bit harsh to say that it's a championship team. Um, I mean, the reality is, could you, any team that's relegated could you then turn on and say, well, that's a championship team, right? There, isn't it? I mean, it, it's it's um, it's a team that's come up from the championship and hasn't made many kind of proven Premier League additions. I will give them, we'll give that that's true, um, but. Would we be bottom without Rafa? Um, tough one, ask because you know West Brom would still have Pardew, wouldn't they? Um, <laughs> and, and, this, and this squad isn't very good. Um, I, I would definitely take our squad over West Brom's any day of the week. Push the property squad over over Swansea's. Um, and I think, yeah, I think I think he's, he's yeah. And see the point that he's making, and we know this. We we've said this a million times. You know, Benitez is making that squad. Uh, Perform above the the sum of its parts. So so fair enough. Um, and what uh, the other things that he said, you know, about the tactical, like if they go to 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 Liverpool, it's a mismatch. He's absolutely right. We say that as well. Um, and he's also said that the teams in the top four are so far ahead of the middle sides, and the teams at the bottom again, he's made a he's made a really good point. Um, so I um, it might sound harsh saying that it's a championship squad that will be bottom. I, I don't know if I hundred percent agree with it, but at the same time, he does make he does make kind of a reasonable point, and we've all at some point said like a similar thing you not think I do I, do. I, th- I think 
you, you could probably make the, the argument that there's about six or seven teams that look like championship teams because it's it's just the way the, the, the league's gone that all, all the good players, I mean, look at Southampton, for example, have, have had 10 of their players over the last three or four years or whatever, all shipped to, to bigger teams and, and it's, it's hard to re- replace that and you, you sort of try and do it more affordable so you, you you tend to see I mean there's probably quite a few players that have come through from the championship teams playing in, in the Premier League now and I get I completely understand the, the point he's making and yeah we've we've probably made the similar point of view that we, we, we are I mean I, I go back to um, it was the, the comments that they were making uh, I can't remember which game it was but basically saying there was one player different from the side that played Norwich last season um, and yes I mean we 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 won the the championship last season, but um, there were a lot of the players. So, for example, Atsu, we were sort of questioning last season whether he was even good enough at the championship level, yeah. let alone the Premier League level. Um, I think there's a, I mean, even Lascelles probably didn't didn't look as good as he does this year last season. So there's there's a lot of the players that you could say probably wouldn't look out of place in the championship, but. Um, at the same time, I think it is a bit bit harsh on on some of those players because I think there are some that do belong in the Premier League. I mean, Lascelles, I would say, does does belong. Um, Richie, I think, is is a good Premier League player. So I think it's it's a little bit harsh, but I, I sort of understand where he was coming from. Norman, uh, is you're you're going to leave us at any point, um, so that's fine. So just just uh, warning listeners that Norman might just disappear here. Um, <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'll, I'll add to. Um to the Gerard, um, well, what Gerard said, the the fact is that we and again, again, it's something we've said before that if the team, if this squad survives the Premier League this season, those players who are supposedly at Championship level now will be so much better next season uh, because of having having had this season and this battle under the belt, and also the the confidence and self belief that they'll take from actually managing to to stay up that'll. That'll improve them as well. They'll, they'll have more. Yeah, they'll have more self belief. So you know, you could, you could see. I all right. Of course, of course, we're a championship side because we came up with the championship. We haven't, we haven't added significantly, like I've already said. Um, but if we survive, then are we a Premier League team? If you know what I mean, it's um, it's a, it's just a, it, it's a, it's a decent point he's trying to make. He's just worded it very poorly, I think. I mean, I think he's just trying to say that Raf is a class manager, and we're just, it's just, a, it's just a reminder that we're very lucky to have him. His point is that the team. Even in sixteenth, it's higher than it would be without him, and that's an absolutely fair and valid point. Right. Um, so, since since you were talking there, why don't you, you you kind of comment on the relegation picture a little bit? How has it changed? Is it still looking good? We're down to sixteenth. Um, how, you know, results yesterday for you, good or bad? Um, some 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 good and bad. Obviously, the the draw at Southampton was a good result. Um, Swansea winning was a bit of a mare. Puts, puts them above us doesn't it just uh, nothing's really changed nobody thought we were going to get anything out of this game realistically uh, the, 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 the <laughs> 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 no only the patrons know that <laughs> um, it's it's not really changed and the, the, the win against Man U gets more and more important, important with every game that passes where we don't win so after after Bournemouth you thought you know what the four points were good but if we just won that game would be have some real breathing space as it stands we're, we're right in the middle of it and it could go either way and we're back now where there's going to be a lot of pressure on the next game which we didn't want I think Rafa made the exact same point which is that if we can get anything from these games like the Liverpool and Bournemouth then 
we're done going to Southampton under as much pressure and that's that's kind of where we'll find ourselves now because of the teams around us picking up points. That said, I don't think we've had a bad performance from this team for, for since Christmas now, so I don't go into the Southampton game worried. Whereas, you know, if we'd be playing these teams before Christmas, you'd think like I don't you know, you didn't see us beating anybody, so it's all about the three home games. It's, it's, it always has been. If we win them all, we're, we're kind of sorted because I think we'll get the odd point elsewhere as well. But I think we just need to we need to win those three home games, as we always have said. And nothing about that's changed because we got beat at Anfield. Go on, Ben. No, I'll just reiterate that. I mean, I think, yeah, the, the Swansea was a bad, a bad result uh, for us. I think I did not see them going and 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 put pulling out that type of performance and it, it's it's an unusual one because you, you you sort of the way they've been playing seems to be sort of well the, the that performance was stress free and you you sort of look and I guess that's the sort of the benefit of having a, a new manager in the fresh approaches it's almost like a reboot of the season and that that any angst that they had beforehand and sort of all the the the, the pressure and and the bad performances and the sort of low morales um sort of gone out the window now and, and they obviously they they're, they're playing they're playing well at the minute they're in some good form so that that was a bad one I'm, I'm I didn't see it happening I thought Swansea would be um sort of in the bottom four for for sort of from now until the end of the season um so it's it's a it's a frustrating one but equally I mean it, it was a, sh- a shock result and I think there's going to be plenty more of those coming I mean obviously not many people would have would have seen us beat Manu so I mean I don't know they they might they've, they've still got a lot of games to play in there's potentially other games that they might slip it slip up in that that potentially they they're not expected to. So um, that was a frustrating one. I think the big one was the the, the Southampton and uh, Stoke one though. That that nil nil was was perfect. That that's what we needed really. And obviously they're the two teams that are still well, two of the teams that are still below us. Um, I think just for sort of for the the morale in the in our squad, it's important that we just keep ahead of. Of teams like them and just keep keep that distance. That I think being in the position we're in, out out of the bottom three, is is a massive, um, a massive sort of m- morale booster for the team. And I think there's providing we can stay out of it, um, for as long as possible. I mean, we all talked about the the Man U game potentially being in the bottom three and the impact that might have had, um, sort of on on the on the team. We've just got to stay out of it and. Uh, Hopefully, because um, I mean there are a lot of games coming up as well where the the, the bottom teams are going to be playing each other. We've we've just got to hope that um, we're <laughs> hope for draws as as many draws as we can, and, and obviously when when we play them, we've we've got to beat them. Yeah, just just quickly, I mean Southampton failing to score at home to Stoke before coming up here is massive for. Her. And I think if they'd won that game, everyone would be panicking. But the fact that they didn't see right, that was the big result yesterday. The, the, Swansea's form has been good under Carvajal, and you yeah. know what they've. They've earned the right to be back in with a chance, but yeah, all eyes on Southampton yesterday. And it was... We'll talk about a bit more about them later. Because um, <laughs> we'll, we'll do a quick preview of that one, but um, essentially, I think that um, I just want to talk quickly through Jermaine Genius's comments on BT Sport that um, it was a problem for him playing for England whilst playing for Newcastle, and that um, the quality of players at Newcastle, particularly in training, made it difficult for him. Alan Shearer has blown him out of the park this morning with a great tweet saying, well, sorry, that mean your other teammates weren't of the appropriate level for you. But just it, it, it kind of feeds into a wider point that here are some facts. Genus came as an 18-year-old or a 19-year-old to a team that qualified for the Champions League from a relegation-threatened um, championship or at the time Division One team um, 
he competed for the title in the next two seasons. The title bids fell away, but up until May, I think, or not May, that would be great, uh, March, February, each season we were in title contention. He played in um, European semi-final, he played in FA Cup quarters and semi-finals for Newcastle, and um, he, he, his time at Newcastle, bar the last season, um, coincided with, with a hugely uh, successful time for the club and, and, and you know levels of players who we as fans kind of haven't seen since. So really, really weird thing for him to say. I mean, he got something like nine of his 21 England caps, or sorry, 14 of his 21 England caps while playing for Newcastle, which suggests that he was far more successful playing for Newcastle than the other teams. And I know he had injury problems when he played for Spurs and uh, QBR. I suppose the most relevant thing here isn't the factual inaccuracy of it when, you know, Stephen Gerrard's talking with him about... Um, or, or sorry, Genus is talking about players like Lampard and Gerrard, who Newcastle finished above of in the time Genus was here. Um, you know, having a, a, an advantage by playing with better players. The weird thing is that Genus just felt the need to once again dig out Newcastle United in the media, and it of part it, it's bizarre that someone reflecting on their own life could be so factually incorrect to the point of that. Is it is it unintentional? Is it, is it intentional? He'll know that. He's taken absolute pelters on social media today from a variety of sources, both fan-based and you know professional journalists, pointing out the, the the bizarre flaws in his logic, which is just how he could come to that conclusion is is really, really, really strange. And Jermaine Genus for Newcastle was he was all right. Anyone talks through that era, apart from maybe the season 02 or three when I think he got Young Player of the Year, um, people talk about. Bellamy, oh, he's a wanker, but Bellamy, Shearer, Lauren Rabin, Alberto Solano, Speed. you know, Gary Speed. Um, no one really talks about Jermaine Genus. Like, he wasn't in, in, imperative to that team's success, was he? He wasn't a big, a big, yes, he was in the team, but he wasn't He wasn't one of the driving forces in that squad. We, we, we could have gone gone on quite quite nicely without him being there. Yeah, and it's, it's just a bizarre thing, but it's once again someone in the mainstream media who basically, where would Jermaine Genus be without Newcastle United? I think, I think, would he, I mean, I know he played for Spurs, which helps, but he didn't really do anything for Spurs. He didn't play very often for them. He made a lot of money out of Spurs as a professional by, by being injured, which which wasn't his fault. But just just another another reminder that everyone is out to get us. And even on a, a day where we got beat 2-0 yesterday, and you know we, you had Stephen Gerrard kind of delivering some home truths, you, you still will still have to put up with a, a well-paid person in the modern football media um, disparaging the clubs, some of the clubs' better achievements in re- recent years. So bizarre, bizarre, weird thing to do, and probably suggests to me it was an intentional. Well, I mean, you know, his words are his own, so you have to take them at face value. Um, and it it seems like criticizing Newcastle United, both present day or historically, is a bit of a a meal ticket for for former players, which is a, a massive shame. Um, would it never seems to be the players who are who were adored or you know, loved by the fans who seem to criticise the club. So maybe it's a little bit of jealousy in that respect, considering the adulation that you look at, we're talking about Ryan Taylor. Ryan Taylor was a fraction of the player Jermaine Genius was in reality, but it's but it's Ryan Taylor who will sell out nine bar um, with a few hundred people paying, you know, decent money to to hear him talk about playing for Newcastle United because he gave a shit and gave a toss and, and you could tell he cared and loved the area. And Jermaine Genius is just um, is someone who seems to be given the platform to say not very much and that's probably why he has to fill these you know kind of disparage club with these comments but enough about him thought i'd just have me say on that one lads very quickly we will look ahead to southampton now 
Um, I'll have my say really quickly before passing on to you two. Um, the pressure that Southampton and the Southampton manager are under is immense. It is absolutely immense. That 0-0 draw yesterday, they have, they've won one game in 17 uh, league games. It's relegation form at its finest. They've got a, they've got a good defensive record. They just don't score goals. Their goal difference is actually better than ours. Now on minus 12, um, they've only won five games in the league. Only West Brom have won less. Uh, they've drawn a lot of games. And they've, I mean, I said, I was going to say they've only scored 29 goals, but we've only scored 27. Um, so they're one of the league's lowest scorers. I'm worried about this one for the sentiment field battle. I think the way Southampton play so defensively won't suit us. We'd like teams to come on to us. We'd like to be able to counter-attack. Having said that, our form has been very good. I suppose a broader point for me before we talk about this game, lads, is that our home form's been so poor this year, this season, that a lot of people think we'll, we'll win these three home games or, or suggest we might win these three home games against Southampton, uh, West Brom and Huddersfield. And it just it puts puts a lot of pressure on these games and a, a draw is not a good result. doesn't mean we get relegated with it, but it's not a good result. We don't play again for three weeks, but we've got Southampton and Huddersfield now in consecutive games. It's, it's four points minimum for me, m- maybe six. How do you see this one going, Ben? Yeah, it's going to be very tight. I mean, I think it's... I probably expect to see something similar to the uh, the Brighton game that that finished nil nil and two two teams as you say that can't afford to lose that game, um. So it's going to be very difficult. You're right. I think it's a funny one. I <laughs> I was thinking the pressure's probably on them because obviously they're below us and and the results. I mean they they they're not picking up the points they should. That was a really really bad result for them. Um. Yesterday the the point it doesn't really do them any good. Um. And and you you look at the way um that that season's gone. I mean, you look at on paper they're a, they're a good team. They've got a lot of um quality in in that squad, but it's just not working. And I've I've mentioned a few times I just don't rate the manager. I think he's been a big problem for them. Um, the fact they didn't sack him when they had the opportunity, and you see what it changing managers has done for other teams. Um, both this season and in the past as well. I mean, obviously we know all about Sunderland. Um, sort of uh, merry go round with their managers. Um worked for a while but it's it's just put so much much pressure on on um on both teams that I just don't see either of them coming out um I don't I, I don't think we 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 can't play any different to the way we've we've been we've been playing and I don't see us um, sort of changing our our tactics and I don't think I don't think they can they they can't afford to to come and play us um sort of in in the way we'd expect so I think it's going to be a very tight affair and, and it's going to be a one one goal um, either way that's going to win it, I think. So it puts a lot of pressure on us, but I, I just I, I trust our players. I back, I back our lads to, to battle and, and just we, we do create chances. We, we, I think we've got enough in the squad to, to beat them. Um, so I'm, I, I just, I've, I've just got to trust the lads that we, we can, uh, can find that one, the one bit of moment to, to make the difference. So how do you see it going? Yeah, I don't want to sound like Jared, but yeah, um, I don't, I don't, I, th- I think we can, we can do these. Honestly, like the the teams the, we've played at home against the the real bottom sides. Yeah, West 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 Ham when they were bottom, um, Stoke, um, we've 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 been just the better team. We've outplayed them. We've smashed them. I th- I think we've got. Well, yeah, well, the new manager. Um, I think I think we can do them, and you're right. It's a shame we don't have Shelby. I don't know if there's any chance he'll be fit, but no. Um, but you, you say we're well, home form's not been great. I mean, the last time we played at home, I thought we played pretty well. Um, Southampton don't score goals. If if teams 
on scoring goals coming to St James's. It's all on us, and I just think as long as it's not a pressure cooker situation where where the crowd because I think that that's that has affected our home form this season. Every time we've had a home game, it's been off the back of a couple of difficult away defeats, and it's kind of like it becomes like a must-win game and we mustn't think of this as a must-win game. As you've said, a point wouldn't be the end of the world. It was not a good result, but we need to get over the idea that if we don't win this, it's the end of the world because that that pressure translates into the stands, which translates onto the pitch. If we just let the lads get on with what they're doing, I think they'll come over the result and kind of just, just back them and, and remain calm because that's what Raffle will be saying all this week now. We just need to remain calm, keep working hard, and I think the result will come. I think... We'll, we're we're a better footballing side than them when with with the sum of all of our parts, including the manager. Well said. Hope you're right. We will have a more in depth preview this week for patrons. Also this week for patrons, there is the uh, Exile Show with Norman Bolland uh, and Charlotte. Uh, looking forward to that one. Um, and the next time we'll be speaking to you is next Sunday. Probably, hopefully, looking at a, a massive three points against Southampton. So stick with it. Now you're going to hear. Um, five ten minutes of Ben and, and Green Street speaking with Nick Ostabizas last week. Thanks very much to Newcastle Legends and Steve Wraith for giving us the platform to to have that conversation with them. And uh, yeah, we're still we're still not in the bottom three. There's no need to panic. Um, and we will be back with you soon. Thanks for listening. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.